2: January is important in setting the tone for the new year, and in 2021, that has never been more true. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD are here to give you the support you need to conquer your new year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. And if those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they've got a brand new topical product that'll help keep you moving all year long. CBD Relief with Lidocaine fuses CBDMD's hybrid broad spectrum formula with fast acting lidocaine to help provide temporary relief for minor aches and pains. And with the new bag-on valve spray technology, relieve can be applied comfortably at any angle, even upside down. To make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all our listeners 20% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com promo code NBA for 20% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. All right, all-star rosters are due very soon here, and John and I are, are going to talk about that. We are presented today by Michelob Ultra Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week, who probably just going to be whoever John and I argue the most about. We will make that the Ultra Player of the Week. Stay tuned for that. John, let's get started here and just give me an idea of what your general criteria are, anything that maybe changes around for you uh, compared to what most people would pick for an all-star. You know, the, the, what is it that makes right. you not have Alex Caruso 10th uh, on your ballot?
3: Uh, I have him ninth, <laughs> So, yeah, that's accurate. Um <laughs> The – okay, so let me get on my high, high horse here first. Oh, yeah. All the ho- – coaches and former coaches and people on the air and say the all-star game should be about winning well guess what it's not it's not it's not anywhere in the description of who should be selected for the all-star team those aren't the instructions given to the to the coaches who select the team it's just them going rogue and deciding that on its own so put a sock in it that those aren't the rules okay what are so
2: I'm not what are the instructions do you actually do we actually know what that rubric is
3: uh I I once upon a time I did and I forget the exact instructions are um
2: don't let them pick zaza patchoulia please god no
3: (laughs) (laughs) right Well, I and you know they've changed it a little bit too now because now there's uh, there's a media component to the um, to the voting for the starters yeah. too, right?
2: Yeah, I don't understand why they don't just go with the whole formula for the reserves as well. Like, why are the coaches even involved? What? Why would you change the it?
3: yeah? So the coach. I mean, it used to be just the fans voted the starters and the coaches selected the reserves, and then I I don't love the media being involved with it either. Hey, I feel like the, it's, democracy you
2: know, is the worst system of government except all the others
3: yeah no i I get that just uh uh and the only reason i say that is because there are like contractual bonuses and things associated with with these games and make it a little harder and i feel that way for all nba too um that that it's not great but again for for us to be voting on that but again if we're not then who is
0: so Well, I I understand that argument too. the
2: coaches and players (laughs) and the fans, Yeah, I think as if you were to go back since they instituted fan coaching coaches and media, I would say that the media picks, despite the fact that I certainly disagree with a a fair number of our colleagues. uh, And also we are not the sole arbiters of of this either, although I do think we put more time in than most, but uh, the media seems to do a little bit better than the players and, and the fans. Particularly because some players like don't take it seriously. I I remember I was talking to a player the first year that they instituted that who who had been really pushing for it, and then I sh- I showed him the list of like who some of the players voted for, and he's like, okay, I guess I I guess this I, I can't really defend this. <laughs> You know, it was just like players players voting for like the 15th man on their own team and just, you know, like they. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, here's the thing like it's media's job to do this and to try to do this objectively. And yeah, you know, there's a few conflicts of interest with, you know, obviously if you vote for a guy and he ends up getting an award or something, maybe you. you You know, beat writers from a team are generally going to vote for the guys in that team. Like, you do see that kind of shit. But uh, compared to the conflict of interest with players or coaches voting for it, it's, uh, I think it's better. So uh, I think the league could do a better job, perhaps, of like selecting who the panelists are in the media.
3: Yes. Uh, although they, I mean, they try to be, they try to get a broad spectrum. I don't think they try very hard to get expertise. They just try to get a broad spectrum. Uh, that is correct. Yes.
2: Yeah. I've been told that yeah. as well.
3: That, that would be my take.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a related note, neither of us have official votes, right? Or do you? You don't have one, do you? That, no, I, I do not. Okay. I do not. Very well. Well, so so now you know that we can be completely 100% objective with this. So, so there's this whole team success thing um, that has led, obviously, to, the worst picks over the years that that in the old center system when there used to just be no good centers so ironically, as soon as they made the change to take centers off the ballot, the center position got good again, right? The, some of the worst picks yeah. were your Jamal McGlure or God, who who else was making it in like that late 2000s, early 2010s. But, um, so yeah, I mean, your Wally Serbiak's, your, uh, Demonis Savonis from last year, although I am <laughs> alone in thinking that he, he shouldn't have made it, um, So let's, uh, I'll add this in as well, and I find this particularly salient this year. My rule that I try to follow in terms of missed games is, let's try and keep in mind when the All-Star game happens in a season. And so if a guy has missed 10 games, but it's just we know played at a higher level and we know is a better player than some guy who's played the whole season i assume that they're each player is going to just play their normal number of games the rest of the year and so i don't want to look at this at the end of the year and be like oh yeah jimmy butler missed 10 games so we're gonna throw in this far inferior player and then at the end of the year you're gonna look back and jimmy butler had a way better season this guy than the, this other guy as you would expect but because he missed 10 games early like i, I don't like this idea and particularly this year when the all-star game is happening probably, you know, 20% earlier in the season than it normally would to just say, okay, you had the, and and also in this year where there's COVID absences and it's just such a weird year as well. There's so many fluky performances. I just, uh, I want that stability of looking back and saying, how is this going to look at the end of the season and yeah. not having a bad answer to that?
3: Yeah, I would agree with
1: that.
2: Um Yeah, and so that can make it hard to suss out sometimes like guys, younger guys who have taken a, a big leap as well. Um So anything else we got to talk about criteria wise here or can we get rolling?
3: But the other thing I try to kind of keep in my head is not just is somebody having a better year so far than somebody else, but who is the best? Better player here yeah big like time. who's who's actually better um and there are gradations in that in terms of uh time missed and how good a guy's season has been versus his norm or, or bad in some cases but i i do try to keep that in in mind as i put this together
2: All right, well, let's start putting it together here. All right.
3: Uh, Should we pick some starters in the East?
2: Yeah, I think so. I kind of like to delineate it into starters, locks, and then uh, the rest. So uh, I think to me, four of the five starters in the East were very clear. And the three in the front court were crystal clear. And that's Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid.
3: I had Sabonis starting over Kevin Durant, Nate.
2: (laughs) well kd has missed time this year uh yeah, yeah. uh I, I i agree
3: with those three uh picks yes
2: yeah i, I mean because then you're going down to jason tatum bam out of you know you just guys who are not on the same level as players and haven't played as that high of, of a level this year Com-
3: completely agree i think those three in the east front court are absolute no-brainers and it looks like they will be voted in as the starters
2: yay all right uh how about east guard for you starters
3: I have, this was kind of hard, Um, but so on the ballot, Jalen Brown is listed as a guard and Jason Tatum is not. So I had Jalen Brown as a starter with James
2: Harden. So I had James Harden as well and last night's game against the Suns where he basically single-handedly brought the the Nets back to win was a reminder of his power and you know if you're talking about all NBA as of right now and the fact that an MVP and the fact that Harden tanked Houston season for 10 games or so you know i i feel you on that but i mean the guy he's just at such a higher level than any of these other players who are you know he's been an MVP candidate basically every single season and there's no indication that he's not that good still mm-hmm. And, you know, the the Nets are now up to 18-12. They're the second best team record-wise in the East, damning with faint praise, though that might be. And so, yeah, Harden to me was clear. That last starter spot in the East, though, was really interesting. Who are your other candidates besides Jalen Brown?
3: Uh, so for me, it was Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving and Irving was a little easier to knock out because he's missed time.
2: Yeah, I, I did go with Irving. I think he's the best of those three players. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he has the best stats to me of those three players. Uh, I think he, the, his team is best when he's on the floor and they've had a a bunch of injury absences too. Um, yes, he did miss the nine games, but this kind of falls into the, he's been out there most of the rest of the time. And are we really going to be like, oh, he missed nine games? Well, at except the end of the
3: season. so within Kyrie's case, I'd say it's a little different because he's missed nine games and he's probably going to miss nine more, right? He always yeah. misses games.
2: Yeah, I mean, that said, though, you know, twenty-eight points a game on sixty-five percent true shooting on a good team—it's, uh, you know, and Beal. I mean, he's someone that we'll talk about as well. Uh, he's gotten a little more efficient recently, and he's going to make my team. Although I, I did, I did not even necessarily have him in the lock category. Mm-hmm. But other than volume of points and you know having the highest usage in the league, basically, there isn't really that much of a statistical argument for him, and in particular. Any metric that's based on on-off kills him. Absolutely hates him. Bradley Beal for the second uh, year in a, a row, called, right? What'd you say? It's
3: the second year in a row. This has been the case, right? Yeah, I think yeah, was on-off well, as it- good last
1: year.
2: Right. I I mean, now that part of that was that the offense was really good and the defense was bad. And I question how much, how much a guard can hurt your defense. Although the bigger you get up the positional spectrum, you know, with him being a two instead of a one, I think that does hurt your defense more. But uh, there's a site called NBA Shot Charts dot com that does rapm which is just purely based on the on off data it doesn't have a box score component so it's very noisy particularly at this point in the season and they also have luck adjusted rapm where they try to just adjust for shooting luck uh for both teams bradley Beal is 429th in the nba in luck adjusted rapm and i don't put all of my stock in that but if we're looking for a tiebreaker between him and jalen brown and irving and actually one other guard we'll talk about too I I think that that puts him... I mean, like, you know, even Trey Young last year, who is that other guard, his team was way better with him on the floor. They were at least respectable. And then the Hawks completely fell off when he was off the floor. Like, the Wizards are terrible. Beal has, like, a negative nine net rating when I checked it last week. And they're worse when he's on the floor. So it's just... And they are such a disappointment this year, too. I mean, for him to be a starter in particular to me uh, is... It, that's just going too far when your team has been that bad with you out there. So you, yeah. you got to take some blame for that.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I had I had Beale as a reserve.
2: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, Ir- Irving or Braun is really just kind of what is your... And Braun, to me, has been a little bit over his head probably, too. You, you know, that's one where he could regress. And he's actually down to 60% true shooting now, too. And a lot of that is dependent on some of this great mid-range shooting and, and three-point yeah. shooting that he's had. Yeah. So uh, that's why I went with Irving. But I think Braun is a totally defensible pick a, as well there. And he, he made my team.
3: Yeah, yeah. I felt Jalen Brown gave you a little more defensively than Kyrie too, so that was a uh, just one a for little.
2: Me. Yeah. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, okay, so, so let's finish up here. So the way it works with the reserves mm-hmm. is you have to pick two guards, you have to pick three front court, and then you get two wild cards. So who are your two guards that you had to pick off the bench since we're talking about I had
3: guards. Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I had Jalen Brown and Trey Young. I have Trey Young ahead of Bradley Beal uh, for some of the reasons that I talked about. I think he's wow. just he, th- like they have a don't they have a better offense than the Wizards do? Uh, when he's they the might floor? let me double check that.
3: I haven't done a lot of Hawks Wizards comparisons lately. I've, I've fallen I've fallen <laughs> behind on that.
2: Let, let, as let our, me as this. our
3: Southeast Division correspondent, I really should be more up on this.
2: Oh man. No, no, nobody Southeast Division isn't isn't too bad here. Yeah, so Trey Young Atlanta Hawks have a 115 offensive rating with Trey Young on the floor and it's gone down a little bit as they've struggled in the last week, but he still Mm -hmm. has a positive 3.5 net rating and their defense is actually totally respectable when he's out there. One twelve, it's about a league average or so. And Bradley Beal, those numbers when I checked it last week were horrific. Uh, Wizards offensive rating with Bradley Beal on the floor one eleven point five, and they've gotten better over the last week or so. But still negative six point three net rating when Bradley Beal is on the floor. And uh, you know Trey Young has been a little bit more efficient. Yeah. He's definitely a better distributor uh-huh. than Bradley Beal. So, so you're I, saying, I, yeah. so you're
3: saying Young. Over- over Beal because of Westbrook. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean Westbrook has been has been pretty bad. I, do do you really you think that the Hawks have, given all their injuries, have significantly better offensive talent around uh, Trey yeah. Young than just because of Westbrook?
3: Uh, yeah, I do. And even I mean, at the other three front court positions, I mean they start. So their starters the last two games were Garrison Matthews, Rui Hachimura, and Moritz Wagner, right? They've started Rolo for a lot of the season. I mean, since Thomas Bryant went out. They, they really haven't had another even halfway decent offensive player
2: yeah I guess that's true the, the expectations were that the Wizards were going to have a really good offense this year and that that hasn't necessarily and, and
3: I'm sorry Bertans has obviously gone completely sideways too which hasn't helped
2: yeah he's a little better the last couple of games but yeah that's not that, that amazing uh, Well, so, so is this it I guess this is it here Bradley Beal we, we spent a lot of time on him he is the <laughs> ultra player of the week John our player of the week and it's and it's appropriate. The
3: Wizards are on a winning streak, right? They uh, <laughs> they beat, beat, had a had a nice win against Boston, and then. Uh, they beat some awful team on Sunday too, right? Um so, yeah, Bradley Beal it is. <laughs> oh no, they, no they beat the uh
2: they beat the Celtics. That's not No,
3: all. no yeah. no, they yeah, they beat the I'm sorry, they beat the Celtics on Sunday, they beat somebody else the day after,
2: right? Yeah. So have the well,
3: chronology yeah. on this right?
2: Well, one thing I am going to get right is these copy points. Uh, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And Michelob Ultra has 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. Enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week, Bradley Beal.
4: What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new SiriusXM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host Lachina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C., that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.
2: So
3: 2.6 is also the length of the average Wizards winning streak over the last few years. <laughs> it's an easy way to remember that. <laughs>
2: Oh man. Uh so Bradley Beal ultimately is on my team. I guess I arguing about him versus Trey. I mean so you just feel Bradley Beale's better than Trey Young? Yes, I do. That that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think that there's much of that much of a statistical case uh, for Beal and, and I, I don't default to this, you know, whose team is better stuff too much, but I, I do think that to me, Trey Young is a better driver of efficient offense than Bradley Beal. And neither of them really helps you that much defensively, at least the last couple of years. So, uh, so our, our guards are in, i added Beal in as well as a, still a lock as a, one of my two wild card Okay. Slots. So let's get to the remaining three front court spots here in the yep. East. Yes. Who, who is your universe of guys that you're considering here?
3: Uh, in the front court, uh, so you have. Uh Nikola Vucevic, you have Julius Randle, you have Sabonis, uh
2: started with all the best guys, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, you
3: have uh Th- Tobias Harris is having having a nice year. Jeremy yeah.
2: Grant in Detroit.
3: Um Hayward, I can't remember if he's considered front court backcourt
2: court. Um Uh pretty pretty sure he's front court. I mean, he's definitely played front court yeah. all year, so. Yeah. Uh
3: Chris Middleton uh jason tatum uh bam out of bio
2: so yeah i you saved the best guys for last for me i mean i think chris middleton just has to be a lock having another yep. just ridiculous shooting season for the bucks I, I mean it's pretty incredible that chris middleton three years ago was one of these guys where you're like hmm, is he even really you know that first good bucks year, is he really even like their best candidate and could it be brooke lopez or yeah blood so and he was kind of on the borderline of just the well they're so good they need a second all-star pick and then the last two years he's just gotten better and better he's like really legitimately been one of the 12 best players in the east and there's just really no argument about it and he's also just established a level of performance to me at this you, you know this
3: isn't a fluke exactly
2: yeah um i mean it's been improvement but it's been incremental improvement yeah over the last three years so so he is a lock to me Jason Tatum, a little bit less of a lock, but still ultimately a guy who's young enough, made it last year, established a very high level of performance in the playoffs, was playing great this year, and then had a COVID diagnosis and he struggled a little bit since coming back from that. But yeah, I I mean, particularly guys who, where it's COVID related, I'm, I'm all right, giving them a a pass there. he's just at a much higher level than any of the other guys that, that are, you mentioned here. I mean, it's just not close.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, I get back to there's some other guys who maybe this season can compare to him statistically, but I think you go back to, like, who's better here? Like, who's the better player? Like, I think Tatum's percentages in particular are a little outlier low right now and are probably due to rebound, so.
2: Yeah, I I, I do wonder a little bit, you know, he's just, his isolation game, the numbers on that are still pretty bad. You know, that might be a little bit overrated and, you know, getting to the foul line, two point percentage, that's a weakness, but he still provides a lot as a help. Defender on defense. That's usually where you provide a lot of the <laughs> defenders on defense. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think he's up there. And then Bam, I thought to me also is some that I would consider a lock. I just consider him a cut above these other names that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, guy who,
3: Miami has yeah. sucked this year, but Bam's actually taking his game up another level. I thought.
2: Yeah, on my pod, we talked about how his jump shot is all of a sudden really good. Like he's increased yes. his usage. He's just as efficient, despite the fact that he is taking much more difficult and more shots this season. His free throw percentage is like crazy high now. And he's probably got the most defensive value of any of the players that we're talking about in this group as well. So uh, yeah, I think he's just, he's got to be in there. I mean, Miami has been so messed up by all of these absences. And they haven't, they've disappointed. So, this is almost kind of a, my ballot, as you'll see, is kind of a gamble that they're going to turn it around a little bit.
3: Okay. Okay.
2: Um, so, so, so I guess you, you so, took, you took yeah. Max
3: Struess then.
2: <laughs> hey, he plays hard. Uh, I, lo- I like, I like,
3: like, I loved watching him make DePaul because he was totally without conscience as a shooter. It was wonderful. It,
2: it, he's like the George Niang of guards. <laughs> The, like So we, we'll call him like the hatchback instead of the minivan. Um, so I, that puts me at 11 here. Is Trey Young on your team? He is not.
3: Oof. I left him off.
2: Oh man. Uh, maybe maybe uh oh wait. I felt
3: like it. he was contributing a little too much to the Hawks malaise. That him did and Collins being- that him and Collins have been sideways and you know, you always hear these kind of rumblings that guys don't really like playing with him and he yeah, I mean he's not been as efficient this year, certainly. Um like his true shooting is actually worse than Beal's.
2: Uh, yeah, it, it, Beal actually has improved a lot. I, I had that written down for when I did a bunch of research last week. So it has actually changed now. Uh,
3: and so, I when it came down to it for those last two guys, um, he was he was the one I left off. And actually, I I had him 14th. So I, I actually had I actually had three other guys ahead of him.
2: Oof! I mean, like this team is still positive with him out there. They're like 15 points per 100 possessions better on offense. When right,
3: but that is that is because have you seen Rayon Rondo this year?
2: Uh, Not much because he's hasn't played that many games but yeah i mean it's it, it hasn't been amazing and you know he hasn't you know they are going with brandon goodwin as well but i i think you know if you look at their offensive personnel it's actually available like they play two bigs together like john collins is like a okay second banana uh you know they, they've had a total rotating cast on the wings due to injury all year and yet 115 offensive rating with this guy on the floor like that's really really good mm-hmm. and I, like, I don't know who else you give that credit to other than him and it you know, a lot of times they've had a lot of replacement level guys out there this season and they're still positive with him out there. So, yeah, I mean, the difference between what they are with him off the floor and on part of that is due to the fact that everyone else is really bad. But some of those bad players are playing when he's out there, too, and they're good when he's out there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I get that and I can, see, I can see the argument for him. I just... Uh... I, I, I struggled to put him over a couple of these other guys who were, like, really contributing to winning situations.
2: Okay, so so who did you have ahead of him, then in, in that case? Okay.
3: Uh, so, the, we're getting down to the last two spots in the East right now, right? So, yeah. I had... I had a short list that included Trey Young and five other guys, and then maybe one or two others on the fringe.
2: I thought you said it was a short list.
3: Okay. So I I (laughs) eventually shortened it from there. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. I like it better when football is over, personally. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. In fact, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty good. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from us. David
1: Harrison here the Locked On Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings Good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
3: But, you know, originally I wrote down like Julius Randall, Demondis Sabonis, you know, Gordon Hayward, Jeremy Grant, uh, Zach Levine, Drew Holiday. I kind of worked through all those names and then discarded them. The core kind of last four they ended up with were Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Vucevic, and Trey Young.
2: Yeah, so I I mean, I've got one spot left. Trey did make it for me. Mm -hmm. My last guy out of that group was Butler. Again, just going for, he had a COVID diagnosis and absence. He's still, like the heat have been so bad without him and they're still totally acceptable when he's out there. Again, his individual box score stats are not as good but he has such a track record of being a winning player and his team just being so much better when he's out there across multiple stops and that's happening again this year. So I, I think he's, and he's just, again, another guy who's just a cut above, like, you know, Jimmy Butler or Nikola Vucevic, like Jimmy Butler was unbelievable in the playoffs last year as the best player on the finals team. And Nikola Vucevic uh, has wins one playoff game a year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, if you're drafting teams in the East, right. But Butler goes in the top. What six seven or whatever, so yeah, I, I mean, I he's think probably got
2: to be ahead of Jason Tatum, you know, or, Jalen Beal, Brown. or
3: Beal or you know, or Middleton, yeah. probably yeah. right? So, yeah, so based on that, you have to have Butler on the team. I think he's missed 15 games, not 30. I think if he missed 30 games, you'd have a much better argument to leave him off.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you get to the point where you literally haven't played, and again, you know, if we are, if this All-Star game were at the normal time and he'd missed 20 of the 40 games, but, you know, he's missed 15 of the 30 or, yeah. or, or whatever. I mean, they had a bunch of game canceled, too, so it's it's just, it, it, like, this, this terrible season and I'm not going to penalize guys for getting COVID. I think that's fair. Uh, and and it's not like he's been terrible when he's played either. You know, he's still by the, by impact, he's still better than any of these other guys. So yeah, uh, yeah, he'll probably miss some more time, but everyone misses time this year, and yeah. he's just better than these guys.
3: Um, I actually thought about taking Vooch. I uh, he's been really yeah, good reasonable. this year. I, I wrote about it today for the Athletic. Like he, you know, the the Magic obviously their season is a total tire fire um since that six and two start especially because they just they don't have any players left i mean he's out there with gary clark and cole anthony and whatever two-way guy they've signed this week to be the backup point guard and he's still like having a career year been pretty efficient shooting up 40 plus from three like he's been good um but ultimately um i i went with ben simmons i just i just think he's a really talented two-way player you know creates havoc on defense creates a lot of problems on offense I think there'd be scenarios where he'd look better than the one he's in uh this year because it's still awkward with him and Embiid but I I think ultimately if you're choosing the best 12 players in the east he has to be one of them
2: yeah I, I like that's a you know Trey Young versus Ben Simmons is an interesting one that I think probably more people would come down on the side of Ben Simmons I I really disagree on that um and I would I would have I had Jimmy Butler over Ben Simmons uh, as well Mm -hmm. I think Simmons you know you mentioned that he might look better in some other situations and yeah he had that 42 point game against Utah if only he felt disrespected like that every game and was actually that (laughs) aggressive all the time but he just isn't and I think that's yeah defensively one of the best in the east for sure but I think his situation is just it's very hard to build around him because of his lack of shooting and overall lack of aggression in the half court despite that one game um so I mean I I didn't really have him as that serious of a candidate. The numbers are down. He just he's been put this. You know, you said the fit with Embiid is clunky, but you know, there's no Al Horford anymore. You know, they're back to there's no Jimmy Butler anymore. Like he's put in position to where he could have been their primary half court initiator, and he's just not capable of doing that. And that just makes it hard to build a good offense. I think so. That's like like he's he's in a pretty good situation. Other than Embiid, like what is the bad part of his situation right now?
3: Uh yeah, I mean he's he's always out there with I shouldn't say I shouldn't call Embiid a non-shooter, but Embiid's gonna be on the block. So right. so I think that does make it a little harder for him. But that's just that with any non-shooter, it's harder to build a team around him because the other four guys need to be shooters. So that's I mean, that's the same thing that like new orleans is running up against a little bit um yeah so i that that problem will always be there for simmons
2: well and it's it's just also not only is he a non-shooter but he also isn't the initiator in the half court so now he just has to stand somewhere and right. that somewhere right. is going to be like kind of out of the way but in the dunker spot and mucking mucking up the spacing but um yeah so so my my final team i'll go through it here starters irving and harden at the guards katie Giannis, and Embiid up front then my reserve guards were jalen brown and Trey Young, reserve forwards Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, and then my two wild cards were Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler. And so, okay. what are our differences then?
3: Uh, it was Trey Young versus Ben Simmons was our only difference.
2: Well, no, I don't have Ben Simmons either.
3: No, I'm saying you t- didn't you have Trey Young on your team
2: though? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So because you had Butler too. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. So who is? I mean, who? Uh, who, uh, yeah. who is
3: your most difficult exclusion?
2: <sighs> Probably Gordon Hayward. Okay. Okay. It, 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 hey, we're pro- and then probably Vooch after him. Um, you know, a few people, I mean, I think it wouldn't shock me if Sabonis makes it again, just because it's like, well, the Pacers, they're competent and they have to have someone. Um, yeah,
3: well, uh, Julius Randall may get in that way too.
2: Yeah, no, that's, I mean, especially, I think especially because like Tibbs is such a coach's coach and, and, uh, the coaches are, are going to vote for him. But yeah, I, I mean, like Randall, I'm sure there's people, you know, the Pacers fans and Knicks fans, for example, probably not Pistons fans I don't think they care enough about Jeremy Grant at this point. But, uh, why do you not have Sabonis and Randall on your team? I think those are probably going to be the most controversial Mm omissions. Uh,
3: I guess, I I mean, Jimmy Butler is a better player than either of them. Right. So I I think he pretty easily qualifies over them. Um, and then when I got to that, when I got to that last spot, I guess I just, I, I don't see Sabonis or Randall as being real like difference making players at a high level. Um, you know, I think they're able to put up numbers in the situations they're in, but it's it's hard for me to get too fired up about them like i think i mean i think even like if vucevic was in those same situations on those teams he'd probably put up better numbers right
2: yeah or, or, or close to it I, I think that's reasonable uh yeah so sabonis really not that much above league average in terms of true shooting he's below average for a center 59 he has shooting. i
3: mean the, i've ac- actually watched a lot of indiana in the last couple weeks he's missed an enormous and yeah inordinate number of like two foot chippies
2: um so, and defensively, when I looked at it last week, they're about 10 points per 100 worse. Uh, when he is on the floor then off he's one of the worst rim protecting centers in the nba allows about 67 percent shooting at the rim. he's right he and nikola Jokic are and right scheme, in this
3: scheme wise they have him doing some silly stuff too like you know have him chase some guards 40 feet from the hoop like come on like
2: yeah well i mean can we, but, can we but work like, with this
3: guy's limitations
1: a little bit
2: well uh, but that's the thing right like the, he's playing with miles turner and so yeah. like miles turner needs to be the rim protector and So you got to be able to guard on the perimeter, right? Like that's, that's, uh, he's just, to me, is a pretty big defensive minus at this, at either uh, big spot. And then he's improved his three-point shooting a little bit, but he's still not a huge threat out there. And I just, if you're going to be an all-star center, and your argument is offense like can you at least be above the positional average in true shooting yeah. and you know his passing is good he d- does the DHO game stuff he'll mash guys in the post but he only mashes bad guys in the post he can't He, he, he like if if he's going up against a real center he's going to struggle most of the time Yeah. and you really shoot a difficult that, hook right? shot it's like yeah, Moses part like,
3: in the Red Sea right like separate the good yeah. defensive centers from the bad ones when they place a bonus
2: yeah and you know he's not he doesn't really have like great touch on hook shots the way someone like Jokic does like if he gets forced into a hook shot that's a win for the defense
3: which hand which hand does he shoot it with (laughs) (laughs) does he he shoot those left or right I can't remember
2: He, he actually is going right shoulder or uh, i'm sorry left shoulder a little bit more this year although he does that usually for like a little turnaround jumper that, that's not very effective um and, and then randall part of it is kind of built on hotter shooting than you would expect uh his distribution has been very impressive i think that's mm-hmm. helped a lot and the knicks have been you can't argue that like his defense is killing them anymore like they've been very confident defensively even if a, a little lucky they're not a bad yeah. defensive team by any means. Um, I mean, I kind of actually like Randall's case a little bit better than Sabonis's. But it, again, you're getting into the thing now where Randall is just—he's not at the level of some of these other guys. So, you know, we're—we're yeah. we're, when when you're talking about guys reaching a new level of performance, particularly in this weird year, and particularly given that we don't have as much sample as we usually do going into All Star, I'm wary of that. I agree with that. Here at the Lockdown Network, RockAuto.com is one of our favorite family businesses. They serve auto parts customers online but they do it with that family touch. The chain store for auto parts, that model doesn't work anymore. They have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. You go in, there aren't any parts out in the front. You go up to that desk. The guy goes into the computer system. They don't have your part. They say they can order it. You have to go back to the store again to get it. Why not just go to rockauto.com, enter your make and model, and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor Oil, even new carpet. So go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write "Locked On" in their How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The average protein bar is quite terrible. It tastes like one of those layers of sedimentary rock at the top of the Grand Canyon. Built Bar has solved that problem though. They are now up to 18 amazing flavors. Six new ones: cherry bar, sea, cookies and cream, caramel brownie. Lemon almond cheesecake that goes with the 12 original flavors like raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, mint brownie. They taste so good because they're covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew, but they are still great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. For example, their peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, just 5 grams of net carbs. And you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies. Plus, go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lockdown the name of this network you'll get 20 percent off your next order that's promo code lockdown for 20 percent off at builtbar.com
3: all right now i mean that was just the warm-up right now we got the real battle here
2: well i think the starters in the west are pretty easy right i think i i'm pretty sure we're gonna agree on all five of them. okay
3: um one of the guard the one guard spot is a little tricky right
2: yeah, I, uh, I mean, there, there are three candidates I would say Lillard, Steph, and Luca.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I went with Steph and Luca, but I could understand how somebody would go Steph Lillard instead.
2: Yeah, and that—that that is in fact what I did. So I guess I—I I was wrong. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I Luca is putting up some pretty good stats. I think just his shooting woes at the start of the year uh, have been a problem. And Dame has been like so ridiculous in the clutch. So uh, and Dame's team crazily has been better. He's kept them afloat yeah. with a one-man band in well, a way.
3: Da- Dallas has also been ridiculous in the clutch. You could say.
2: <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> In a bad way, you mean? Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but but I mean, I think you know the Blazers and Mavs have probably had like similar levels of injuries and Dame has been able to keep them afloat at 16 and 10 in the way that the Mavs haven't been. And so yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's, fair. that's kind of the tiebreaker for me. Sure, sure. Um, and I mean, I, Luca also puts, I, I mean, I think if you had to ask me who a better player will be going forward this year, I would probably pick Luca. But I think it's it just his superior size. He's not as much of a defensive liability, but it, I think Dame has been a little bit better this year so far, and they're right on the same level. So, But whatever, they're both locks to make the team um then front court lebron Kawhi, and Jokic. absolutely yep yeah um so luka is a lock at guard i don't actually have any other guards that i would consider a lock and the positional thing is really interesting here because i have three front court players that are a lock but one of my front court guys i actually would have considered a guard he's played guard pretty much all season paul george
4: Yes, but he's listed
2: yeah. as he's listed as front court and that's going to be a problem like i think i probably actually might have had zion williamson on this team if paul george were a guard and then i had to pick another front court guy like that third reserve front court spot it gets a little bit weaker but now with george as a forward now we get into all these other guards in the west which is always just a complete crap show
3: yeah yeah well i i'm actually cool with george being listed as front court because the end of my ballot was like all guards so yeah i I've, there would have been there would have been a problem there had that not been the case uh, yeah so I, I, the the three guys right that we have is front court locks rudy gobert anthony davis paul george
2: rudy gobert who uh was voted third in mvp on a podcast just yesterday by you <laughs> that's right that's I, right he's, i mean he's, that's not i don't agree with that but i completely understand the reasoning
3: I I just think in terms of value, like the whole the best team in the league is built around him, so it's it's tough to be more value valuable than that.
2: Yeah. Well, they say John that the most fervent converts are the late ones when it, <laughs> when it comes to the Jazz because I I remember someone pillaring their off season.
3: I was not a fan of their off season. Yeah, and uh, but but you know I mean they're doing this with all the guys they
2: had basically right? Like I mean favors well, okay. Um well, well they re-signed Clarkson, I think it was yeah. weren't you critical of that a little I, bit? I
3: like didn't that. love that contract,
2: but yeah,
3: I mean he's 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 been fantastic. I thought last year was an outlier and he was gonna revert and that didn't happen at all. Um yeah, and then I didn't di- I didn't love the extensions for Gobert and Mitchell, and I still don't because I felt like they negotiated against themselves and could have pretty easily yeah. got themselves a better deal. So I don't I I I don't feel bad about that part.
2: Okay, so we're up to nine players on this team. Mm -hmm. We got three spots left. Who's in the universe?
3: All right, so we have, I think the only... Front court player I have on my list here is Zion Williamson. Um, we have uh, DeMar DeRozan, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, and Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I guess so Ingram would,
2: would probably be considered front court.
3: Ingram's front court, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Christian Wood might have been in this mix had he not gotten hurt. So let's get right to it here. I, I mean, who, down to brass tacks, who are the guys who are really in this mix for you?
3: So to me, the next guy on the list wasn't that hard and it's Chris Paul. Um, If you look at his... Level across his career, his impact on winning, the fact that Phoenix is immediately winning now that he's there. Booker has missed time and hasn't really been at his at his at last year's level this season. Uh, so I think Chris Paul has been their best player. So Chris Paul is the tenth guy for me, and to to me that part wasn't that hard.
2: Yeah, and isn't it amazing how every team that Chris Paul is on suddenly just gets way better defensively, even though like that's that's not an accident. You know? Yeah, and he exactly. he'll go, he goes you know, Houston, like the time when they really were competent during that era was when Chris Paul was there. And whether it's organization or just his helping and all the crap that he does, his ability to switch, and he's not a great individual defender, hasn't been for some time, but they teams always seem to get better defensively when he's there.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you just look at that impact he has and know that that's the same impact he's had over the course of his career. And he's a pretty easy number 10.
2: So that leaves us... I mean, I I would consider the series... I'm going to go with CP as well. Um, Mitchell, Booker, Conley dear and fox apologies to john morant who just missed a little bit too much time and has maybe quite been at this level apologies to cj mccollum that's one where him missing these games with the this foot issue if he just you know had, had the track record of playing as well as he'd played this year and missed that time i wouldn't hold it against him but because he's at a way different level it was only 13 games exactly it's, it's, yeah that makes it too hard to believe that that's real and that, I agree. that he's quite on this level um Derozan, part of why his on-off stuff isn't as good as Lamarcus Aldridge, and that I think that's been a big part of why that partnership hasn't worked that well. And it's been better when he's been playing without Derozan, or sorry, without Aldridge. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's just so hard to build a decent defense around Derozan, and he's still he's shooting a few more threes, but he's still it's tough when he's off the ball on offense. And so I, I, the impact metrics have never really been a big fan of him. I, he was not that serious of in consideration for me the Spurs are kind of you know they have this positive record but they haven't really had a great point differential they're getting lucky in close games uh, as well so that's one where you know I don't expect the Spurs to be a team that's going to be like well over 500 this year this is one of those ones where it's like all right is this how is this really going to look at the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, so I, I didn't have him in very serious consideration
3: okay I I did have him in serious consideration um
2: I, serious I, enough to be on the team
3: yes yes I I I think he's had a really impactful year and I think he's, and, and it doesn't feel flukish to me. It just feels like this is what, it, this is what he's doing. And, uh, you know, San Antonio is just a, a weird team. They've been that way the last couple years, just in terms of style of play and taking all these mid range twos and whatnot. But what, I mean, what they do is effective. Uh, and, I yeah, I, I, I think he's, he really has a case to be in the top 12, especially since some of the other guys who would potentially push him for that spot maybe haven't been that great. Uh, you know, like Fox, you might have said coming into the year, like, OK, this is the year he breaks through. Hasn't quite happened, right? You know, he, he's, he's been good, but he hasn't really been special and they've been bad on defense. Um you know Booker I think is is taken maybe a step back from certainly from what he was in the bubble I, I think it's hard to make a case for him to be on the team uh the Pelicans have been so shitty on defense and and Williamson and Ingram are a big part of that uh so it's hard for me to really ring the bell for them so I I end up back at DeRozan
2: What about the Jazz Guards
3: Yeah so this is the most interesting case I think so Between Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, because the general perception is that Mitchell is their best perimeter player. Some people would think he's their best player, just their best player, right? Hasn't really worked out that way so far this year. Uh, Mitchell has been streaky, shall we say. Um, Still using a lot of possessions, but using them less well than some of his teammates. Uh, And Conley is having, you know, arguably the best year of his career, uh, although now he's out with an injury, which I think hurts his case a little bit, um, especially if he doesn't come back uh, quite soon. Because again, in his case, it's it's not a huge outlier, but it's maybe at the top end of what he's done before. Uh, so people yeah. want to see a little more of it.
2: Yeah, so. I mean, he's, he has the best net rating in the NBA, 17 points per 100 possessions. The Jazz outscore opponents when he's on the floor, but they also have won five straight over some pretty decent teams without him as well. And Mitchell, I give him a little bit of a pass on the efficiency because he's the one who has to take every hard shot for the Jazz and everyone else gets the easy shot. I guess Clarkson maybe is the other one. But everyone yeah. else kind of gets the easy shots. Um, but I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find much other than raw points per game to indicate that he's been better than Conley this year.
3: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, he ha- he is taking on a much higher usage load. But I also think, like even defensively, like I think I think Conley's just been a little better.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's where Mitchell is kind of always uh, disappointed. Um, yeah, and, and Conley, I kind of, it's rare that I will devolve to this level of sentiment, but if it's really that close, I think I'm okay. Put
3: Mike Conley on the All Star team. Put yes, on the yeah, I think team. I'm okay. Correct this horrible wrong. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, I will say that I don't recall any times that at least at the time of the selection that I thought Conley really got jobbed. You know, there's, there's a couple of years, I think. 20, made...
3: 2015 injury replacement. That's the one that burns me.
2: Who ended, Who did it end they up taking?
3: They ended up taking Lillard. I don't know if you remember, like Lillard made a, made a big stink about not being selected for the team. Um, and I mean, Portland was good that year too, but we had, we were like, I mean, that was the year we started. I forget what our record was Was it the, at the exact all-star break but we started the year 41 and 14 and uh and we had one all-star marcus saw uh so that was the one that burned me up a little bit
2: um yeah so i i think i i will go with conley so i've got one spot left now and the more i've thought about some of these guards i think i'm gonna get out ahead of this i'm gonna pick zion Williamson as my last guy wow okay now i realize that he has not been good defensively this year i think he's getting better but in the last 10 or 15 games he has now been reinvented as their point forward his drive game has been ridiculous the play where he gets gets set a pick and roll by jj reddick or some other shooter who then pops out for a three is absolutely unstoppable his passing is starting to get really good you know he's been in that five six assists per game range he's bringing the ball up floor like i thought it was telling kyra lewis their nominal point guard actually outleted the ball to him last night in that grizzlies game and he's just been so good in that role that's the role that i always envisioned for him coming out i think he's just gonna have such a monster rest of the year he hasn't missed games either which is really exciting and encouraging yeah and you know he's getting up to that like really high usage high efficiency level and you know i think his defense is moving towards at least better ish uh, you know, they, their defense is sucked, but a lot of that has been their backup center situation as well. So I think just the way that he's playing, I think we're gonna turn around at the end of the year and be like, this guy should have been on the All Star team over someone like Donovan Mitchell.
3: Right. 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 Well, um, there's there is a way to split this baby, um, which is we're gonna need an injury replacement for Anthony Davis.
2: Oh yeah, that's a good point.
3: I presume he will not be showing up uh, for the All-Star game, given the uh, calf strain, which usually takes several weeks. So I, d- I don't expect to see him back, certainly to play in the in an exhibition game, I think would be insane. So uh, you take Zion Williamson as the uh, he'd be the logical front court replacement. Certainly. Right. There's almost no one else to pick.
2: Yeah. Other than Ingram, he's really the only guy that I had remotely in contention there. Uh, like DeRozan is basically a front court player at this point I mean he plays next to two guards that are smaller he's been starting at the three all year he can't guard the one or the two like he he really actually is a front court guy to me at this point so Uh,
3: yeah he's put I mean he played four for them in the bubble
2: yeah I I, I'm fearful though John I am fearful that this bottom end of the west is going to be coaches quote-unquote rewarding winning teams a lot I think I mean I know you had DeRozan but I think DeRozan is going to be on there because the Spurs happen to be 16 and 11 with a neutral point yeah. differential yeah and, yeah
3: and i think mitchell is going to be on there because the jazz have the yeah. best record they feel like they have
2: to take two yeah yeah no i i, I think that's i've never cared a lot for that kind of thinking so yeah that's uh so zion could be our injury replacement i guess the so where we differ then where do we differ um our last so my we, last we, two were conley and zion
3: and i had conley and de rosen okay. and I had, I had zion out
2: Okay, well, that was fun. Um, We do need to rule a team out of the playoffs, however, before we go. All right. This shouldn't be too hard.
3: Timberwolves? Can I just pick them every week?
2: (laughs) Playing better. I don't know, man. Are you sure? Um, I I am actually going to not pick them. Uh, Okay.
3: Who who have your picks been so far?
2: So you and I have no overlap yet. Okay. Uh, I have picked OKC and Detroit. Okay. And you have picked Minnesota and Orlando. Those are both in order. Okay. Um, you're going, so yeah, you can't rule the Wolves out. You already, you've already ruled them out already. Sorry. <laughs> I know you'd love to do it again, but. I can't, I can't rule Anthony them out. Anthony Edwards had a real nice game. Yeah, uh, the, he did. The, the one game that gets attention in compared to the four that don't because he's shooting 25% in those games, but encouraging to some degree.
3: Yes. Um, So uh, I'm going to, in addition to Minnesota, I will rule another team out this week. Uh, In the last two weeks, this team has lost games by 22, 18, 25, 38, 19, 17, and 31. Oof. In two weeks. (laughs) Sayonara, Cleveland. It's over.
2: All is right with the world. Order has been restored.
3: (laughs) They are now 30th in net rating. 30th in offensive rating.
2: And Larry Nance is out for at least through the all-star break, it sounds like, with that broken hand. And he was easily their best player. And basically the guy who was making that defense work. And when they were way high up because they were forcing like 18% turnovers, which uh, interestingly has not continued. And and they've been wrecked by injuries as well. There's this weird thing where nobody's taken threes for them. Mm -hmm. I, I do think, I actually think that deactivating Drummond might help a little bit, but probably not much. Well, it'll and, stop
3: them from playing Drummond and Jared Allen together, right? That, I mean, yeah. there's at least that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just there's just too many holes to plug right now.
2: Yeah, so uh, I mean, my other candidate was Orlando, who also i mean they're in a real struggle session as well here i mean I, I think i would feel quite comfortable picking minnesota orlando or cleveland but cleveland i mean they just look so bad right now and they have also signaled that they have acknowledged reality and with this drum and trade stuff so i will go with the cleveland cavaliers as well uh should any kind of post-mortem thoughts uh, on their season here
3: you know i it's just been a weird year there because it started out looking halfway decent, right? But just the the lack of real NBA forwards has just completely caught up to them, I think. Especially yeah. once Nance went out.
2: And Sexton not shooting threes anymore is really a, a, a weird issue. And Garland hasn't been the same since he came back from that shoulder issue as well. And Prince and Windler are injured now. Also, Okoro, it's been a, a massive offensive struggle for him. Can we,
3: can we talk about – I don't know how many people watch Cleveland – can we talk about some of the crazy ass shots Jabril McGee has taken this year, and like just some of the stuff he's done, like like first team All DGAF, like just just crazy stuff he's doing.
2: Well, if I got traded from the World Champion Lakers to Cleveland in the offseason, I was about to be after, an agent after
3: after starting for the World Champions and then hardly playing for Cleveland. Yes, yeah.
2: Um, no, I mean when he was with the Warriors, I used to he practiced those three pointers every single game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's got like the running hook shot across the lane from 15. It's not even necessarily across the lane because it's like so far out. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, the fadeaway in the post. It's yeah. It's but
3: let's let's not forget his grab and go game.
2: <laughs> but hilariously, he still has the uh, doesn't even have the worst shot selection among centers on his own team. That's Drummond. <laughs> oh man do, do you think Drummond can this is the last we can close on this do you think he can help a team on the after the inevitable buyout because he makes too much money he can't really be traded
3: uh, I think he could help a team but probably not at the level as a as a starter like if he should back up five like that's pretty good right? But I, I don't think I don't think he yeah. can help like with an, with an exclamation point like oh yeah we brought we, we replaced the guy we were paying 10 million who, who was totally fine and we brought in Andre Drummond instead. like no, that's not gonna change anything.
2: Yeah, like I don't think he's gonna help a team like the Celtics. Um, he's just not he's not the same athlete that he was, which is crazy to say for a guy who's 26, 27 hasn't had any major injuries. Yeah, Um, You know, I mean, when he would run that pick and roll with Reggie Jackson back in 2016 and Reggie Jackson would either throw it up on the rim and he'd get the offensive rebound or he'd get the alley-oop. He can't really get alley Hoops anymore, right? He doesn't. He doesn't sky like that at this point. Um, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And, and he also he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't guard in the post either, right? Like if you're like, oh, we need a big body to match up against Joel Embiid, just don't watch any film of what Joel Embiid does to Andre Drummond <laughs> when they match up against each other. Please, if you're gonna make that, if you're gonna acquire that, well, he can just help let it be Philly. a surprise he can, in the playoffs.
3: That, ironically, so he could help Philly because he'd never have to guard Joel Embiid.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I, Dwight Howard might be better than. Him. Him, honestly at least dwight hilariously dwight knows his role a little bit more um all right well that this was fun and thanks so much uh, for joining us this week we'll be back at our usual time again on wednesday afternoons next time till then reese's peanut butter cups
0: are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil